Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Richard Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Jill Cruz, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Cruz. Good morning. It's always great to be here on this cold and wet, which soon will be snowy. Yes. It will be interesting to see how today evolves. And Mm. after yesterday was so beautiful. It was. Did you get to be outside and enjoy it? We did. My daughter's selling Girl Scout cookies, so we decided to pull the wagon out and and walk around the neighborhood real quick yeah excellent good to be out yeah we headed to a park for a little while too had to soak that up while we while we could well our prairie doc topic this week is cardiology um and we we won't have a live show on thursday night on sdpb due to uh basketball being on sdpb this week but um we'll be restreaming when the heart speaks which was um recorded um, a couple months ago, months ago yep. um, and we'll be sharing that on our Facebook page um, on Thursday night if people want to tune in for that. But cardiology, there's a lot to cover um, in that that area. So definitely, and the show only scratched the surface. Yeah, yeah. It seems like there were a lot of questions that people had calling in on that show. So if you guys have questions um, listening today, please do give us a call at six zero five six nine two. 1430 um, could be related to cardiology or it could be related to any medical topic Um, and Dr. Cruz will answer our questions today. So we're going to start, Dr. Cruz, I want to talk about your essay this week. You talked about code status in this week's Prairie Doc essay, which you can find in Monday's Brookings Register or many other newspapers or on the Prairie Doc website. Tell us um, a little bit more about code status and why it's important for all of us to think about that before we end up in a crisis. So code status is specifically what you want the medical team to do if your heart were to suddenly stop beating. It's not asking if you want us to treat you know your medical condition or treat your pneumonia. It's specifically if while you're in the hospital the heart stops beating what do we do? Okay. Do we uh, perform CPR? Do we do you know chest compressions? Do we put a tube down your throat and breathe for you? Do we shock the heart? Do we give medicines to the IV to try to restart the heart? What do we do for your heart? Doesn't have anything to do with the rest of your um, treatment plan because a lot of people think, oh, if I say do not resuscitate, I don't. It means I don't want you to do anything. That's not not true. Common misconception. Okay. Um, so do not resuscitate is if the heart specifically stops beating, what are we going to do about that? Okay. What are some things we should think about as we consider that for ourselves and our loved ones? How to answer that question? Well, it's it's a very personal question, and that's why it's uh, hard to give, you know, kind of blanket general advice, but um, 
I, I always love to tell people on TV, it works 80% of the time. <laughs> in the TV shows and movies. On the movies. TV shows, <laughs> yes. On, on ER, on Grey's Anatomy, you know, on any of those dramas, the doctors get a lot of victories. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, in real life, um, the older you get, the less likely that victory is to happen. So, you know, when someone's in their 90s, the chance of a code being successful is very slim. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, less than 10% of those seem to really be successful. And of that 10% that do survive, very few ever make it back to the status that they were previously. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when you reach that age, when you're hitting 80s and 90s, it's a very good conversation to have with your family of, you know, um, the procedure of the code is not gentle. And Sometimes it can cause more pain and suffering in order to buy someone a matter of minutes to days to, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes at most weeks. Because mm -hmm. uh, usually when the, when the heart, when you're that age and it stops beating, it's, it's done. There, mm -hmm. There's only so much we can force. So the conversation you want to have to your family is, do you have permission to die? Do you mm -hmm. have permission if your heart were to stop beating to pass away quietly, peacefully with, with dignity, or are mm -hmm. you gonna fight it kicking and screaming every step of the way? Mm -hmm. That's really the question that you need to have with your family. And you wanna have that decision discussed with your family before it's two o'clock in the morning and we call them saying, we don't, you know, mm -hmm. we want to know what your wishes are. They didn't tell us, mm -hmm. you know, this should be something addressed every time someone's admitted to the hospital, every single time. Yeah, and people say, well, I told you already, or I wrote that down. Well, what you wrote down, you know, 20 years ago in your living will may not ap apply to your situation now or this hospitalization or this diagnosis. So, you know, we're going to ask it every single time you're admitted to the hospital. And, you know, we want you to tell us what your wishes are, not what you think your family wants you to say, mm -hmm. not what, you know, your family might think is the right answer for them what's the right answer for you mm -hmm. so you know we want to respect your choices and your decisions i really like in the essay how um you said you know a lot of times the question is do you want us to do everything we possibly can to keep you alive but instead maybe we should say if you are about to die do you want permission to pass away peacefully exactly and, and that's, that's why they have changed it from saying do not resuscitate which says oh we're withholding something we're preventing you from having something to allow natural death oh interesting so Language and i, and I is so fascinating the the terminology you know allow natural death because i'll tell people if you are having a code do not expect to hold your family's hand peacefully while you pass away it's going to be you know, surrounded by medical personnel. And if your family is there, they're going to be in a corner, not mm -hmm. really being able to see you, talk to you, mm -hmm. hold your hand. So if you want to, you know, peacefully, you know, quietly pass away. And this is a, a conversation that happens a lot of times when people are in hospice care or end of life. You know, how do you want to pass away? Do you want to naturally go quietly <laughs> and uh -huh. peacefully, surrounded by family and loved ones, which is what most people say, you know, I want to die quietly or in my sleep, you know, surrounded by family, surrounded by people I love, not hooked up to machines or, you know, having someone do CPR, which is going to break ribs. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's just a truth of the matter. The procedure to push on the chest hard enough to make the heart beat will cause ribs to break. And mm -hmm. it's not comfortable. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's helpful for all of us to have a better understanding of that. Um, like you said, I think most of us, we just know it from a TV show or from a mm-hmm. movie and we don't have that personal experience. But to hear from medical professionals who have been in on these situations, it's always kind of eye-opening and makes you think about those things differently. I really like that allow natural death and how mm-hmm. language really affects the way we think about things, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's not that we're withholding anything from anyone. We're just allowing what sh- is intended to happen to happen. We're yeah. not fighting it. Fascinating. Well, it's a good thing to think about on this day. And if you want to think about it further, I encourage you to read Dr. Cruz's essay, um, which you can find on our Prairie Doc website. Well, it's time for us to take our first break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. If you have diabetes, these lifestyle changes can help lower your risk for heart disease. Follow a healthy diet Eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, lean protein, and whole grain. Aim for a healthy weight. If you're overweight, even losing a modest amount of weight can lower your triglycerides and blood sugar. Get physical activity. Try to get at least 150 minutes per week of moderate-intensity physical activity, such as brisk walking. Manage your ABCs. A, your A1C test. B, keep your blood pressure below 140 over 90, and C, control your cholesterol levels. S stands for stop smoking or don't start. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Call your provider with questions or to set up an appointment, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Our Prairie Doc topic this week is cardiology, and before the break, we were talking about code status and um, how we can think about that as we make decisions for ourselves and our loved ones. Um, As we think about cardiology, I was telling Dr. Cruz this is a new, a new thing that's fresh on my mind, um, as my family has had to think about this a little differently. Uh, my, my dad was supposed to have shoulder surgery today, actually. And so he went in about 10 days ago for his pre-op appointment and his heart rate was slow. He was at 37 beats per minute when he went in for his pre-op, um, appointment with his family doctor. And uh, they said, why don't we just head over to the ER (laughs) and um, monitored him over there for a while. And it just kind of stayed slow. And um, they're from southwest Minnesota, went over to Sioux Falls and to the um, hospital that night. And the next day had a pacemaker put in. So I've been learning more about all of that. So let's talk about this slow heartbeat. Um, And when... When do we become concerned about a heart rate? Okay. So a normal heart rate, which probably define that first, normal heart rate yeah. is between a rate of 60 to 100 beats okay. per minute. So 30, yes, that is quite low. That would, mm-hmm. that would have me concerned. Now, the caveat to that is um, younger people or professional athletes will tend to have a lower resting heart rate. So, you know, someone who's an Olympic athlete or a high-level, you know, college athlete could have a resting heart rate in the 50s, and that's completely fine for them. But definitely when you're starting to drop 
into those 40s and 30s, that gets really concerning that um, you're not beating, uh, the heart isn't beating enough to get good blood flow circulating up to the brain, up to the vital organs. And that can definitely cause problems. It can cause people to pass out and to faint. It can cause people to feel very fatigued and tired. Um, and that is really, uh, when it's going that slow, it is definitely a concern uh, and will lead to a pacemaker placement so we can get the heart up to a normal, you know, closer to 60 mm -hmm. rate. Mm -hmm. oh. You mentioned um, feeling dizzy and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, I think that was a primary concern because um, he did share later that um, he had been experiencing some dizziness in the mm -hmm. previous few weeks. Um, and it seemed like a major concern was that perhaps he would pass out and fall and right. injure himself in that way too. Yeah, and that that's the biggest thing because if your heart's beating so slow, you're not getting enough blood up to the brain and then that can lead to passing out. Mm -hmm. So that is a major uh, symptom of that. Another reason people get pacemakers is if their heart is having pauses. Okay. Um, where it's just, you know, there, nothing's happening. I, actually, I remember my first uh, experience with that uh, as a new doctor I hooked a patient up to the heart monitor and she said, you know, I feel my heart's doing this little fluttery feeling and something just doesn't feel right. And she was on the heart monitor and all of a sudden it was flatline, meaning absolutely no cardiac activity for nine seconds. Oh my goodness. And I think my heart stopped for that amount of time too, because yeah. I'm like, my, my goodness, this, that is not normal for right. your heart to go that long between beats. And she's like, yeah. I just don't quite feel good right now. And like, you're not supposed to be talking when your heart's not beating. Yeah. So again, we called her, sent her up to Sioux Falls and she had a pacemaker placed and, and felt fine and mm -hmm. was back to her activity and, and usual. And yeah, came in cause she said, my, my heart just doesn't feel right. Something, you know, it feels fluttery or it feels, you know, she's like, I feel weak. I feel dizzy. I feel tired. So all those things of, you know, the body just not getting enough blood because her heart literally was not pumping and it would take long gaps and then it would beat normal and then there'd be another gap mm -hmm. and it was just terrifying for me to watch as a doctor because I'm like this is definitely not normal and we need to get this fixed today now mm -hmm, absolutely I uh, it seems like pacemakers are perhaps becoming more common or maybe I'm more aware of them I think between my grandparents and in-laws and parents I now have three family members with a pacemaker how do pacemakers work? What is a pacemaker and, and why is it so useful? Okay, so a pacemaker, your heart actually has its own pacemaker. So a, what a pacemaker does is something that uh, makes an electrical impulse that tells the heart to beat. So uh, in your heart, you have one yourself that makes, makes its own electrical impulse and charges and sends the impulse and tells the heart to beat to the top chambers and bottom. And... Um, sometimes that doesn't work right and sometimes the heart has been damaged either through like a heart attack or through congestive heart failure or other things where it's just not able to beat as strong so maybe needs a little bit stronger signal to say hey beat and do something so what a pacemaker does is simulates what your heart um, what's called the sinoatrial node does normally is collect uh, make that electrical signal. Okay. So basically what it is is a battery and then some wires connecting um, up to the areas of the heart that you want to beat and, and send this electrical signal to. So uh, you can have anywhere between one to three 
wires uh, to the different chambers of the heart. So either to the right atrium where the pacemaker node is normally and just kind of simulate and replace that. Or you can send it to the top and bottom chamber of the heart on the right side. Or you can send it to both sides of the bottom chamber of the heart where all the beating does. So, and the batteries have gotten ridiculously small. When they first came out, they were about like the size of a deck of cards. I mean, okay. they were thick, big. Now they're about the size, I would say, of a silver dollar, probably like four silver dollars stacked on top of each other. Okay. So mm -hmm. the batteries just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and thinner. And it um, is a pretty easy procedure. The incision's only about two inches long or so. Mm -hmm. And it usually goes right underneath that uh, collarbone on the left side. And then they kind of make a little pocket, put that battery in there, and then kind of feed those wires in through the artery underneath the collarbone into the heart and you're there. I mean, it's it's a really slick procedure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amazing. And, you know, I, I was with my dad and uh, we were in his room before the procedure and he was, you know, 37 beats per minute, 33 beats per minute, um, watching that. And then he had his procedure come back and we're right about 67 beats per minute, just yeah. right, nice and even. It was really amazing to see that mm -hmm. and go in the room and out of the room. And here we yeah. are. And we can set the pacemaker. The pacemakers are getting smarter. They can tell when you're doing exercise and when you it needs to go faster. Okay. Um, some the old ones, you know, you you set a number like a metronome, and that's where it stayed. And if you're you needed more because you're doing activity, it wasn't able to do that. But now, you know, with the technology, it can say, oh, oh, they're they're going for a run. We might want to go a little faster here. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's also ones that are called demand pacemakers for the people that you know their heart beats normally most of the time, but they may have that nine second pause where all of a sudden it's not doing it and we need to say, hey, don't forget to beat. Yes. So those demand ones, it only goes off when you need it. Oh, okay. Just so, when you need that. Yep. And there are also combination ones where it's not just a pacemaker, but also an internal defibrillator. So should the heart go into a an abnormal rhythm, like a, a uh, ventricular fibrillation, it can shock the heart and get it back, um, hopefully to let it restart and get back into a normal rhythm absolutely fascinating yes well it's time for us to go to our second break we thank you for listening to prairie doc radio on kbrk and on our podcast call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address look for prairie doc wherever you get your podcast today's program will be added to the podcast soon we will return following this informative message from the avera medical group it's time to get your flu shot. The influenza virus is a seasonal illness that changes every year. That is why the CDC recommends a new flu shot each year for everyone over six months of age. Now is the time to get your 2020 vaccine. It is especially important to receive the vaccine this year while we are in the midst of the COVID pandemic. The flu vaccine, along with good hand washing, mask use, and social distance will help you from getting and spreading influenza and COVID. Vaccines are available at your provider's office as well as many area pharmacies. Please make it a priority to get your flu shot soon. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. 
Before the break, we were discussing pacemakers and all the wonderful ways they help um, regulate our hearts and keep them working the way that they are supposed to. Um, Dr. Cruz, you were talking a little bit about the batteries and how Mm -hmm. much progress we've seen in those over the years. Do those batteries need to be replaced after some time, and how does that work? Yep, so they do need to be replaced. Like any battery, they're going to wear out eventually, but they've got a very long lifespan. Uh, They usually last about eight to 10 years. Okay. Uh, And then they go in and they literally unscrew the wires, take out the battery pack, and then put in a new one. And usually every time they renew it, the battery's thinner and smaller. Sure. so how do we know when the batteries are getting low is a very good question because you know that there is a range for any battery you know sometimes mm-hmm. batteries in your cell phone will last for a couple of days sometimes they'll last for you know a couple hours or stuff wears out so what they can do is what's called interrogate the um, pacemakers so there is a way of doing that um, the old way you had used to have a landline phone and i really still do not understand how the technology works but you would hold the phone up to the pacemaker battery (laughs) and it would literally kind of phone home and say hey i'm working at you know i've got 80 percent of my battery power left okay i don't know how it works works. it's magic to me it's fascinating but there are ways that they can interrogate and they download and say okay how much battery power is left how much has it been capturing how well has it been working it's it's amazing. The technology astounds me every time. Yes. My dad went home with a small little device about the yeah. size of a salad plate yeah. um, that you plug into the wall. And it's supposed to be within 10 feet of where he sleeps. And then every night it downloads information mm-hmm. using Bluetooth technology yeah. um, from his pacemaker. And then that is sent to somewhere and it's reviewed every day and then if there's any concern they contact him um and then of course when he goes in for his regular checkups they can also look over the information how much it was used but then every i'm just so reassured knowing that every night when he goes to bed that information is sent off if there's anything irregular they Mm -hmm. give him a call and figure it out yeah so So, yeah i mean how it's gone from landline now to bluetooth yes you know it's it's amazing how that technology has changed mm-hmm. and and how much it's progressed it's just fascinating with with how pacemakers are working so yes they um will look at it and the machine will tell you how well it's working what it's doing and and if it needs to be replaced mm-hmm. yeah that's really interesting now is a pacemaker the only way to really regulate for that um slow heartbeat is that is there a medication option or other options, or is it really the pacemaker? It, the pacemaker is, is really, you know, if someone's in a, um, in the emergency room, we have medications to give, but they only last for a few minutes and they're washed out of the system. So it's not something that you can give long term. So really, the pacemaker is, is the long term fix for this. Okay. Yep. All right. Very good. I think we're going to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. If you have a question, give us a call at 605-692-1430. If you have diabetes, these lifestyle changes can help lower your risk for heart disease. Follow a healthy diet. Eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, lean protein, and whole grain. Aim for a healthy weight. If you're overweight, even losing a modest amount of weight can lower your triglycerides and blood sugar. Get physical activity. Try to get at least 150 minutes per week of moderate-intensity physical activity, such as brisk walking. 
Manage your ABCs. A, your A1C test. B, keep your blood pressure below 140 over 90. And C, control your cholesterol levels. S stands for stop smoking or don't start. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Call your provider with questions or to set up an appointment, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We had a question about what is the difference between a heart attack and a stroke? Yes, so very good question. So a heart attack involves the heart as the name implies. So mm-hmm. that means that one of the vessels that feeds the heart and gives blood supply to the heart is blocked. And when that blockage happens, you can't get blood flow to that area and then part of that heart muscle dies. Um, the whole point of getting someone into the cath lab or you know to treat the heart attack is to relieve that obstruction. So hopefully that area that was damaged can come back and isn't dead permanently. So, But the longer the area is blocked, the less likely it is to to come back. Um, so if we can, you know, relieve it quickly, we can minimize damage. If you wait too long, what's dead is dead. We can't bring it back. Mm-hmm. So a stroke, on the other hand, involves the brain. So again, we're talking about blood supply to the brain this time. So that can either be related to a blood clot in one of the vessels in the brain. And again, if an area of the brain doesn't get blood, it becomes ischemic. You know, it, it's struggling for getting nutrients and oxygen and if it's blocked off long enough then it also dies and depending on what area of the brain um, that was responsible for that can cause your problems with like speech if it was an area that uh, affected speech if it's an area that affects balance it could affect your balance you know one side of the body you know an arm or a leg you know facial droop that's why there's different symptoms of stroke based on which area of the brain has the clot Mm. So if it's an area that controls speech, you know, you're going to have a hard time talking. But if it's an area that controls balance, you may be falling down, dizziness, all that things. Uh, another type of stroke is when one of the blood vessels in the brain breaks and now you have bleeding in the brain. And again, if the blood's not in the vessels, it can't be giving the blood supply to the different areas of the brain and that area where the bleeding is, then you've got um, clot that's forming and pushing against that brain and and squishing it and that can cause injury and damage. So sometimes they have to go in there and and try to pull that bleeding out or that clot out. So there's um, now with you know, the heart, you, you go in and you pull out the clot or you do the angioplasty. Now they're able to kind of do the similar thing to the brain. There's interventional um, neurologists that can go in and find that area where there's a clot and remove it and take it out, which, again, is fascinating that, you know, they're like, hey, it worked for the heart. Why wouldn't it work for the brain and, and for stroke? So they're mm-hmm. kind of doing the same thing that they do for heart attacks now for certain strokes, depending on where it's at how long it's been there, you know, what that window of time. But the same thing, heart attacks and strokes, both, time is of the essence. The sooner we get to these things, the sooner we treat them, the better and outcome and less damage there is to the body. Mm-hmm. Excellent reminder would be to respond quickly if yes. you are experiencing those, those symptoms. 
Well, before we wrap up today, Dr. Cruz, I just have to touch on these um, coronavirus vaccines that we have available. I think we have 1,600 in Brookings tomorrow. Is that right? I, I believe so. I'm I think so excited. So. so it's so exciting to know that we have um, these available now mm-hmm. um, and we're getting more and more of our community vaccinated. Do you have any other updates on that or information you want to share with our listeners regarding um, the vaccines? Well, I would say definitely, um, you know, look at the websites or, or calling in to find out about getting your place in line. And, um, you know, we want to get shots in, in people's arms. I just actually read an email from Avera. They did get a small number of the Johnson & Johnson, the one dose for oh. those super needle phobic people that don't want to do two series. Um, so I don't know if we'll have that in Brookings, but I do know Avera did get a small shipment of that one in because that's the newest vaccine on the market. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know when that will be available to uh, people or how that's being distributed, but know that Johnson & Johnson is starting to reach South Dakota, so that's a good thing. Right, absolutely. Now, is there any reason we should wait for one or the other, or um, what's your recommendation for people as far as getting the vaccine? I would say as soon as you're eligible, get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I honestly have no preference as to which one mm-hmm. you get as long as you get one uh my husband and i got the pfizer my parents got the um moderna mm-hmm. so they're both very similar in efficacy so just get one when you have an opportunity when you have an opportunity don't squander it yes excellent great well that it is so encouraging to know that um we, we have that one more tool to help mm-hmm. us um and help our community that's great Well, before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. However, this Thursday, March 11th, the show will not be on STPB television due to the state basketball coverage. Um, However, on the Prairie Doc Facebook page, we will be streaming an episode from earlier this year called Whence the Heart Speaks. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Jill Cruz for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.